The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pot of thunder and rock and roll. And you know what this is. It's the Duff McKagan joke of the week. Chris Jericho, it's Duff McKagan calling you. I'm calling you from actually over the beautiful Columbia River in eastern Washington, the high desert of, of Washington. Uh, it's about 95 degrees. Did a little water skiing for you kids out there. We used to water ski on a single ski with uh, two boots and uh, not like a wakeboard. Anyhow, I'm taking a little vacation, a day-long vacation, before I start my new job as a street cleaner tomorrow. Uh, apparently, there's no actual job training. You just pick stuff up as you go along. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Uh, Duff never lets us down, ever. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where he gets these ones, because like I told him before, just go on like a, uh, a website and just rattle off 10 at a time, but he won't do that. He he sends them to me one at a time every week because he has to feel the joke, he says. So he has to pick it up as he goes along. Get it? Uh, Duff is enjoying a little bit of a vacation right now before the tennis tour starts again in a couple of weeks. Duff, uh, Shooter Jennings, and the boys are going to Europe. Dates start in Warsaw, Poland on August 22nd. Then they hit Germany, Ireland, France, Switzerland, and come all the way back to do a fall tour of the United States starting September 25th in Charlotte, North Carolina, Get tickets now at DuffOnline.com and see Duff playing, uh, well, some tender songs, great singer-songwriter stuff, uh, more kind of uh, country, heavy country stuff, but it's very cool. Something completely different from Guns N' Roses, which is what you would expect from a solo record. All right, so I'll talk about something completely different. We're going back to the classic album clash today. Bully Ray from Ring of Honor and Dave LaGreca from Busted Open. Join me to debate Motley Crue, Too Fast for Love versus Shout of the Devil. You know the story. We're going track by track, putting the songs against each other, debating uh, album covers against each other. And of course, we're going to put it to a final vote at the very end. Talk about our Motley Crue stories, whether we've met the band, lots of interesting trivia and tidbits as well. Plus, Bully Ray and Dave talk about the, the recent interview with Nikki Six about the Dirt movie on Netflix, why it wasn't what they expected to be and not in a good way. So here we go. It's the return of the classic album Clash, Motley Crue, Bully and LaGreca, starting now on Talk is Jericho. All right, so um, the return of the classic album Clash, and we've been thinking about doing this for a while. It's uh, with uh, Bully Ray and Dave LaGreca. And um, 
talk about uh, the band that's kind of being really talked about right now. Talking about Motley Crue, and we're gonna obviously you guys know it's Too Fast for Love versus Shout of the Devil. First of all, quickly, what'd you guys think of the dirt? It's all the rage right now. I loved it. Did you? I, I loved it. You know, as a family man, you got to pick your spots on when you're gonna watch that, and I it was ill timed because I put it on in the living room as my family was about to enter the living room, and of course, the scene with Bullwinkle. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, I, I can just imagine the what's look the on your wife's Bull, face. What's Bullwinkle? What was the chick who can squirt? Oh, her name is Bullwinkle. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that. I, like, like page one of the book, The Dirt. I think, I think the dirt opens up with her name was Bullwinkle. <laughs> <laughs> so they were obligated, yes. like, to put that on, you know, like, yeah, in yeah. the movie. The scene where she just sprays all over the place. <laughs> so whenever there's an embarrassing moment in my life, and that definitely was one of them, I always text Bully right away to explain <laughs> what happened. And they'll look shut right it off old. quickly, right? Yes, his, you know, his wife is such a nice lady, but just such a traditional European Polish woman where stuff like that it just <laughs> doesn't happen, frowned upon, how <laughs> How dare you watch it? We have to say 10 Our Fathers and 3 Hail Marys and, <laughs> and absolve ourselves for even saying it. I used to live with uh, this family when I first started wrestling. They, they took me in. They were really cool to me. And it was uh, they had a couple sons. And one of their sons was like my age. So we were pretty good buddies. And we were watching Pulp Fiction. And the mom came in. She was awesome. But right when they were talking about, you know, you stick your tongue in the holies to holies. She's like, what are you guys watching? Well, it's the movie probably you want to stay. I don't want to watch this. It's like super embarrassing. It's like, Bubby, remember when me, when me and you went to George Carlin? I I, re, I don't remember it like in detail because of what we drank that oh, night. Okay. But, but what did so he we say? went to George Carlin in Vegas, and it was a packed house, and they sat us next to this nice, lovely old couple. And I, she, I remember she was like, "Oh, I used to watch George Carlin on Ed Sullivan and Hippy Dippy Weatherman. He's so funny, and oh, we're so excited." And we're sitting there, and the, Carlin's first joke, his opening line was, "When's the last time you heard a good pussy fart?" <laughs> And uh, the poor lady looked at me like, like it was my fault, and I just felt so embarrassed. The whole show sitting next to like this grandma, and I'm like George, can you tone it down a bit, uh, old lady McGee here? I can. And actually, you get embarrassed quickly too. I was really embarrassed. I felt so bad. I can actually top that one because I went to Don Bosco Tech uh, Catholic High School, and one of my teachers, Father Ed, taught George Carlin when he was in grade school. Really? So he thought it would be a good idea as a class trip to take us to see George Carlin in concert. <laughs> and I'm sitting right next to Father Ed, and then George Carlin goes in. This is 1986. George Carlin goes right into his set. Boom. Just like you were explaining. I'm, I'm sitting next to a priest and hearing that type of language. So. And, and it's so funny you bring up the Carlin show because only recently have I started to drink tequila again because of that very night. Because it was me, you, Hurricane, oh, uh, yeah. Christian, and I drank so much tequila that night. All I remember is waking up the next morning, half of my body was in the bathtub. The <laughs> other half was on the floor of the bathroom. Three walls were covered in puke. And there were people's underwear in the room that I, I have no clue how they got there. I don't know who was in the room. They were mine. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's talk about Motley Crue and, and these two records. I mean, obviously the the beginning of the crew. Uh, we had a little bit of a debate whether we should do. Well, I did whether we should do Shout of the Devil versus Doctor Feelgood, and Bully just cut that right down. And your reasoning was it's because Feelgood is a polished album and it's a product of Bob Rock. You know, it's Nikki collaborating with somebody who can kind of sway his opinions on things. N 
Too Fast for Love is Nikki's heart, and Shout at the Devil is Nikki's brains. That's the way I differentiate the, the two albums. And you're right, because they're both they both were made before they made it. They're still hungry and angry, and you know, bullwinkling it across America. Whereas, and, and reasonably sober. Yeah, well, yeah, not as crazy as they were about to be. Because once the European rolled around, yeah. and they were, re- you know, that you know, the tail end of the Shout tour that bled into the to the making of Theater of Pain, and then that Theater of Pain tour, they they completely blacked out. And you know, if you watch the Dirt, you know, Vince blatantly says, you know, this this album sucks. You know, yeah. there's, there's two songs, and yeah. one was a cover. Yeah, and Nick Nicky says that too. You know, so let's talk about. I mean, we've talked before about, about how you discovered Motley Crue, but. When did you first see these records uh, or the record that you saw that kind of brought you into? Well, band? I'm lucky enough to have an older brother who's a big metalhead. So I got to listen to Too Fast for Love soon after it came out. So um, I listened to it from cover to cover, first song to the last song, over and over again. Uh, so when Shout at the Devil came out, I remember walking, taking my paper uh, paper route money, walking to Uncle Tony Stationery and buying it the day that it came out. So when I think of my youth, when I think of growing up, those are the first two albums I think of. And for me, it was much like you, Dave. I, I went to uh, the, the local candy store to buy wrestling magazines, and I just started to get into rock and roll. So I was buying the circus. I was buying the hit parader. But then there was this one other obscure um, uh, rock. It might have even been Cream when Cream was still, you know, when they were covering rock and roll. And there was a, just a small picture of Motley on the cover, like towards the bottom left. And it said, lewd, disgusting rock and roll pigs, and you're going to love them. And and I remember opening up to that section and just seeing them in that photo shoot. I think they did. In the, they're in their shout at the devil gear. And I think they were poor posing with some porn stars from Hustler, and it was the most sleazy, degrading, just disgusting. Blood everywhere. Oh, my God. And I was like, who are these guys? And when I saw that, I felt like I was looking at the at the billfold of Kiss Alive 2 for right. the first time. Because when you open up Kiss Alive 2 when you're a kid and you see that, you know, when when albums were albums, see that for the first time, you're blown it's away. Amazing, yeah. And I was blown away by that magazine, and from that day on, I could not get enough of Motley Crue. It's funny. Uh, I was thinking, like, I wonder if it was a Niels Lozauer photo shoot. You know who's uh, was uh, next to me last night taking pictures of the show? Uh, Mark Weiss. Oh, Mark Wise Guy Weiss. Yeah, <laughs> that was his nickname. <laughs> My first uh, 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 exposure to Motley Crue was it went to a guy called Stacy Dannard's house, and he had shout at the devil and i remember looking at it and seeing the pictures of the bands and going okay first of all that blonde chick is super flat chested it's crazy that she has no shirt on the cover <laughs> and that other chick is one of the ugliest chicks i've ever seen ever mick mars <laughs> like why they like, who are these girls it's like they're guys they're guys really and then of course got in a show of the devil and then went I, there was, used to have these uh sales at the record stores Five ninety nine cassette sale, and uh, I remember seeing "Too Fast for Love" was uh, was there, and going to buy it and uh, buying it for five ninety nine the cassette because I wanted to have the whole Motley Crue collection. And it's weird too because the Canadian version of "Too Fast for Love" is different from the American version. You got you probably have the leather version. Well, I got the one where "Too Fast for Love" starts with the big intro. 
when you're young yeah. and crazy. Yep. Whereas the other one just starts with and I believe that's the leather version. Oh, the the one without the intro is the leather version. The one I with believe the, intro. the the original Too Fast for Love on leather records has the original intro. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay, so that's And so then was I think once they got it to a producer, they the producer probably said, All right, let's let's cut this piece off and just give them the meat of the song. Which is funny because it, it confused me for the longest time. Like, how, why is there different versions and all this other stuff, you know? But um, I think it was really cool because, like you said, at that point in time, the crew were the lewd, disgusting pigs of rock and roll. And I think we all, that's one of those bands that everyone got into at the same time. It wasn't like Metallica or. Some people like Maiden, some people didn't. Ozzy was like that too. Everyone loved Ozzy and everyone loved Molly Crew. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. So um, let's talk about the records. Let's start with with the covers. What do you think about... uh, Because Shadow of the Devil is just pretty much a, a, a black cover with the pentagram on it. But when you go back and you look now, I mean, the, the, the cover of Too Fast for Love it's is iconic. just so cool. I mean, it's just a shot of, of Vince's crotch, you know? But if you just look at it with all the leather and the handcuffs and the, you know, the studded belt and just, you know, the way his hand is posed and the old Jimmy Superfly snooker, you know, I love you. And um, I just think cover-wise that that's the better cover. It's a it's a knockoff on Sticky Fingers by the Stones, isn't it? Yeah, which I didn't know at the time. Yeah. Like, so when I see that, I don't think of Sticky Fingers. I think this is just like such a unique, cool looking cover. So to me, it's a no brainer. That cover of, of Too Fast for Love is amazing. And just the culture at the time, too. Studs where you'd wear studs and the, the leather pants and stuff. But I remember buying like a, a, a wristband with the studs on it to wear to school. And when you open, the thing about, the, you know, talking about the covers, you get to the cover of Shout at the Devil, it's plain, it's got the blacked out pentagram and just Shout at the Devil in red. But when you opened it up, you had the, you know, the huge pictures of the four guys and I was so blown away. I remember as a kid standing in the mirror, posing like each one of them, <laughs> looking nothing like any of these guys, you know, but trying to pose there and just try to look as cool as Motley Crue, but really try to look as cool as Nikki Six. Because, I don't know, for, for me, Nikki Six is our Keith Richards. Because he just, uh, he's the epitome of cool when I was a kid. No, because I was, with the Shout of the Devil, when it has like the four pictures of, of, of all the band members, because you were saying something when it came to Kiss Alive too, and that picture of Gene Simmons. And, and like, it it looks like Gene Simmons, but it doesn't look like, like Gene. Bloated, it looks bloated, bloated, bloody and worm. Like, yeah. It, it, but it's haunting and it sticks with you. It's the same with that picture of Mick Mars. Like, for whatever reason, that shot of Mick Mars is so crazy. It haunted me, that picture. It's, it's so scary. Scary yeah. ugly, right? Yeah. My sister could not sleep at night because of the picture of Gene on Kiss Alive, too, with the sweat and the blood. It legitimately gave her nightmares. So I kind of understand what you're saying. Those pictures resonate. Yes. They stick with you. And, and yeah, Mick is an ugly chick. 
<laughs> it is finally, you know, we, we, we talk quite a bit about Nikki and about the crew and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, it is what it is at this point in time. But that guy was a cool guy. Like, I remember there was a show called, um, uh, I don't know what it's called. It was, it was like a, a video show. It was hosted by Terry David Mulligan. And um, the Rock and Channel is what it's called. And he had the crew on. It was kind of like a, like a, like a living room sort of thing. I just remember Nikki smacking on this drum, like the biggest, like, it just didn't give a shit. And, and Terry was like, he was a Canadian uh, uh, icon as a journalist, but he was like one of those contentious, kind of like, you know, tell us, what's important to you, uh, girls? And they're all laughing. Like, Vince can hardly string two words together. He's, and because he's such a rocker, like, Southern California doesn't care. And Tommy's just, dude, and Mick doesn't talk. But Nikki, like, these super intelligent answers about, like, what's important to you? Uh, women? And he, he answers. And drinking? He answers. Food? I'm like, who asks a rock and roll band if food is important? <laughs> but Nikki answered, like, really smart, like, answer. And just, like, this guy's really smart. It's his band. Right. He, he was the general. Uh, you yeah. know, you know, uh, you knew from day one, and 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 now thirty five some odd years later, you know, being a more mature fan, you really understand that this was his baby, this was his creation. I mean, uh, Mick named it, but it was always Nikki's vision. So somebody's gonna have to stand up for the band, and much like you said, like Vince is in his own world, and Tommy's goofing off, and Mick doesn't want to talk to anybody. Nikki has to answer the legitimate questions the same way. He had to go out on the recent dirt tour and answer all the questions because Tommy's not out there doing it. Vince, Vince could care less about it. And, and Mick physically can't. And I know leaving the the interview out of it, because I know you had certain opinions on it. But how was it for you just to be talking to Nikki Six and be interviewing him? I've had about a half a dozen interactions with him, and I wish I could say that they were all great. Yeah. Five, four of them were horrible. One was really good. And the interview, I thought, was, I think the, the word that me and Dave put on was different. We were When you're coming on a show to promote uh, a book like The Dirt, which is the epitome of sex, drugs, and rock and roll, yeah. I thought I was going to get that version of Nikki Six, maybe toned down a little bit. What we got is this really deep, introspective Nikki Six, who basically admitted to us that the dirt was more of a therapy session for the band than a movie about their debauchery. And I and I heard Eddie Trunk had Tommy Lee on to promote the dirt and completely different interview because Tommy Lee is like, that was a wonderful time and it was great and it was fun. <laughs> and, and he was throwing out stories that took place during that time period. And I think Bully and I were expecting not all of it to be like that, but a little bit of the interview to be like that. But it was almost like, almost like he was teaching us a lesson like, all right, you two, like, I know you had fun when you were listening to this, but this is the true meaning of these songs, which is not what we were expecting. As a kid, as, an, as a teenager, as an adult, as a guy sitting here right now, I cannot play Livewire loud enough. Livewire is the song, but I will never listen to Livewire the same way again yep. after I found out from Nikki that it's about him getting beat up as a child by his stepdads. I mean, I just thought it was about rock and roll rebellion and going crazy and driving fast and grabbing chicks and, you know, 
break down walls. But I'm going <laughs> I'm going through the lyrics in my head and I'm like, I'm not catching that. There's no it's not Yeah, yeah, because you know? he even said like I, I I my jaw dropped and he's like, I could see by your face that you're shocked by what I'm saying. And I I'm I'm like with you. Like I went back and listened to some of these songs and it's like is, was he bullshitting us a little yeah, bit? Yeah, turn me on. Like, I'm too yeah. hot to stop. Something you'll never forget. Take these, take down dreams and break down walls. Walk High time tonight. tonight. Oh, no, no. no. Oh, turn, me, turn me loose. Set me free. I'm young, running free. A little bit hotter than it used to be because I'm alive. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's a, when you watch the movie and you watch him get beat up as a kid physically by the, the stepdad and mentally beat up by the mother. I guess now I can see the lyrics making sense. It's all about his angst and aggression towards his parents. And I'd over, I'd like, I could tell you what time Motley Crue took a shit. You know, that's how <laughs> much I knew about Motley Crue. And I always knew that he had a tumultuous, you know, childhood. But to see it on screen, right? Like, for, yeah. for the first time, even though Nikki has up a lot, like for the first time, I felt bad for him. Because I could relate to getting smacked, smacked by my dad. My dad smacked me because he was an Italian, much like Nikki was Italian. So it was relatability. But I mean, he, I think the dad beating him up physically didn't scar him nearly as bad as his mom's Because that's the situation. mental scarring. Yeah. You know, that's another reason I was going to say this earlier when you talk about Nikki's band. I think that's another reason like, he's always, whenever they play, always give Mick Mars an extra little push. And he always talks very favorably of Mick Mars more than the other guys. And the reason I'm, if I'm sure of it is that Mick never left. Mick was always there. It's like Steve Harris and Dave Murray. Like, there's a connection between them because they were there. Every show that Molly Crew's ever played, Nikki and Mick have been on stage together. Whereas Vince split for a while and Tommy split for a while and everyone else split. Like, I really saw that connection the last time I saw them play where he's like, this is Mick Mars. He's the craziest MF or motherfucker ever and he's the best guy or whatever. And Mick's just this, you know, he's like, God bless him. He's just shriveled up and that guy. But I think it's because he never left him, you know? And Nikki got the tattoo of Mick on his thigh. Yeah, so when Nikki was uh, dating Kat Von D, he actually wanted Mick's image and portrait tattooed on his thigh because Mick meant so much to him. And I almost felt like Mick was the father figure because Mick was the older guy in the band. Yeah. You know, so it was kind of like that father figure, the Nikki, who never left him. Right. Just like you said, all his other dads left him, but he never left. And I thought I thought it was cool too at the end of the dirt when they're all sitting at the table together. Like you feel like you get it. Like the crew is the family that Nikki always wanted but never had. Yes. Wow. You know, and, and little, little subliminal stuff that I saw Nikki do in his own way to apologize to Vince. If you watch a lot of their interviews or photo sessions post breakup, like after Vince comes back, you see Nikki with his hand on Vince's shoulder a lot. And that hand on the shoulder thing is a very, it's a very subliminal soothing thing, like almost like I got your back or I'm sorry. Some people in the wrestling look business can look at it as I'm about to put a knife in your back. But I always thought Nikki tried to go out of his way to apologize to Vince. I agree with that because I think like you said, like we, 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 you know, make jokes and all that sort of stuff, but that's his gang. Like a band should be a gang. You know, especially in those early days. But when you start out that way, even in their 60s now, I don't think it's I think it's one of those things where I can bury him. But don't you dare talk shit about these guys. Yeah. You know, this is my gang because it's very rare as well 
um, that, you know, at this stage of the game, it's still all the original members. You know, that's, I thought that's pretty interesting. And growing up, reading interviews with them and them referring to themselves as a gang, you always think that, okay, they're just trying to make themselves look cool. We're not a rock and roll band. We're a gang. Right. But then when you see the dirt and you see how they actually interacted with one another and how they would they would fight just about anybody they really were. Yes, they were. They were. They and they were, were notorious gang. fighters. They would yes. throw punches and not even ask questions later. Like Nikki, Vince, and Tommy were were, were trigger happy, especially yeah. Tommy and Vince. Yeah, they would just want to fight everybody. Was it, who did Vince fight backstage? Is he straddling or something like that? You remember? No, he, Axel. Oh, Axel and Vince got in a fight. That's right. But the whole thing <laughs> in MTV wasn't it about yeah. him versus yep, Axel? Sure was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's so funny because, and I'm glad. Chris, no, but there was an Izzy straddling fight. I think you I are think right. Was, yeah, yeah, Dave. No, I was, and I'm glad Chris picked these two albums because I got to admit, as a Motley Crue fan, as big as a Motley Crue fan I was at this time. I really did check out after Shout at the Devil. Like, I was so disappointed in Theater of Pain that I, I really kind of checked out, and I just got interested in other bands outside of Motley Crue after That's that. a great point. I felt the same way. But but no, uh, see, here's where I'm going to disagree. You might have felt the same way then, but just recently, like, me, you, and Dolph were always texting about this stuff. And Dolph and was supposed to be here, but he mixed up his times, just so you guys He's know. a big star. He's a yeah, comedy yeah. tour. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you actually threw on the text messaging was sticking up for theater pain. Well, I mean, I think in retrospect, it's got some good songs. But like you said, when you when you look at these two albums, there's been a we had a, a episode here with the guys from Revenge Sevenfold called the perfect album. And the, the definition of a perfect album is every song has to be a minus or better. Mm -hmm. If you have one song, that's a B plus song. It's not a perfect record. And there's a case for both of these albums to be perfect albums, and they're the only ones in Motley's collection that would be in that. In that. Actually, 94 might be. 94 Motley Crue. But let me that. ask you a question. What Did you guys pick the perfect album? Because only two come to mind. Which ones? Back in Black and Appetite for Destruction. Now, see, and but, but for both of those, there is a debate. Like, uh, Anything Goes, is that an A- A-minus song? Uh, Back in Black, like uh, like uh, 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 Shake a Leg, is that an A-minus a song or better? Okay, so your criteria. Okay, so based on your criteria, was anything the perfect album? There was a couple. Uh, uh, Dark Side of the Moon was a debate that we had. Master of Puppets was a debate that we had. Uh, the first Boston record yeah, Boston. was okay. a debate. Boston. So, but even in those ones, like Sinister Gates, the guitar players, like uh, Hitch, Hitch a Ride sucks. It's terrible. Hitch a Ride's a great song. It's once again, it's all subjective, and that's what we do with the classic album Clash. Both of these records are great records. There's no doubt, but we're just discussing the merits of both. Um, talking about theater of pain i think it was a combination it's like metallica load is it a bad record no but it's a combination of a record that's not up to snuff and the look changed they didn't change, look cool exactly the, the gimmick change combined with the subpar songs threw me off it's almost like kiss asylum when i listened to kiss asylum i really liked that album but when the video started coming out and you saw their look yeah. it didn't become cool anymore right. i think it's the same thing with theater of pain I, I can't uh, with with load in that that era that timeline with with Metallica. I was detached from gone. them right. at that point. So, yes. so I mean that. That's what I mean. So, so when we're talking about being attached and being the first two crew records, Too Fast for Love came out August twentieth, nineteen eighty two. Although it was released on November tenth, nineteen eighty one, on Leather Records with the umlaut above the U, uh, is recorded in uh, Los Angeles. And it is, see, here's the thing. The length is 3849 on the original, 3419 in the Electra version. So the original must have had Toast of the Town on it or something. 
uh, the and leather plus records. The, the other intro for uh, oh for, for the festival for right. too fast for love. So uh, and then the uh, shout out the devil uh, was released uh, that came out on September 26, nineteen eighty three. Also recorded in Hollywood, and that's thirty four minutes and forty seven seconds. Produced by Tom Worman, famous eighties producer at the time, and whereas uh, Motley Crue produced the uh, the first record, which it sounds like it. Sonically, the first record is pretty pretty thin. Yes, I agree with that. Uh, yeah, yes, but it's still it's it's Motley Crue in its purest form. Yeah, well, that's the truth. That's the truth. And I think still to this day, with the exception that they see people that don't listen to the ninety four record, Tommy Lee and actually all the guys in the band, their performances are tremendous. Uh, the the, the eighty the ninety four record. The most taboo thing to talk about in the world of Motley Crue is how great the Motley Crue yes. with Karabi album was. Yes, musically. It's their best performance. Yes. And you have to be a really honest Motley Crue fan to be able to admit that. It took me 10 years to realize how great that album was. When you, I go back and listen to it now, I'm like, holy shit, this is what they should have turned into after Primal Scream. I think that's what they wanted to turn into, which is one of the reasons why Vince left. But also, too, we're talking about Nicky's bass. I think his bass playing on Too Fast for Love is his his best licks and his best bass playing, with the exception of 894, but we're talking about these two records. I think I think his playing on this record is great. It's tremendous. And it's funny, too, my friend Spiwi, who slept in today, so he's not here, he's going to come do this. He awesome said, dude, by the great way. Great dude, yeah. Really cool. Great dude. He said that this reminds him of something like a T-Rex record. And I said, it always reminds me of, uh, of uh, Heavy Cheap Trick. You know? Which both bands were very big influences on Nicky, which especially makes, T-Rex. Which makes me laugh because he considers himself such a punk. But he's not a punk. He's a 70s glam kid. Yeah, I mean, I mean yeah. But, but I mean, at its core, I always thought Motley was a bit of a punk band. I see them as a power pop band. Okay. Which you can you can see that, right? Because I know Nicky loves the Raspberries and Detective and all these pop bands. But um, So let's go to the debate song by song. And this is where the things really start to shake out. So... Opening track, Livewire, versus, we'll leave in the beginning out of this, uh, Shout Out the Devil. Wow. Dave? This is tough. This is where it gets down to the This back. is really tough because Shout Out the Devil is the ultimate fist bang song. I mean, it really is. But Livewire, and Bully, you said it earlier, I think Livewire is the quintessential Motley Crue song. And if I had to pick my favorite all-time Motley Crue song, it's probably Livewire. So I would have to go with Livewire. For, for me, it's not. I mean, it's not even close. It's live wire all the way because as great of a song that "Shout at the Devil" is, it makes me want to, you know, bang my head and pound my fist. Live wire wants to make me drive fast uh, and make bad decisions. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's just such a great song, and it's and it's proof that Motley could be metal. Mm -hmm. It's one of their mo it's one of their most metal songs. It's you know one of their fastest songs. I mean, when I watched the dirt. And I listened to Mick play Live Wire for the first time. I got goosebumps. Yeah. I was like, "Wow, man!" I, I, I didn't listen to the shitty guy play. It was just, oh, oh. yeah, who totally didn't fit the look. Like how he even made it into that into <laughs> that, that apartment scene, yeah. is beyond me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but yeah, just Live Wire is just. It's. I guess now that I know what the song is about. It hasn't taken the edge away, but it hasn't added anything to it. It's still just a great. Yeah driving rock oh my god the video where nikki's feet are or his legs are on fire with the blood coming out of the skull or something like that right and, yeah and with all i mean and that's kiss 101 right yeah. there that's motley crew 
you know, spending every last dime they had trying to do something that Kiss had done first. Right. Uh, I love Live Wire. It was on the first Fozzie record. It's a little bit of a, it's a true. Didn't you, did you tell the story, brother. <laughs> so Chris is uh, Fozzie's playing in like Sheboygan, Wisconsin. <laughs> like we really are playing in Sheboygan <laughs> in August. That's yeah, funny. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so Fozzie's playing is you know a couple hundred people there, and I went to go see him play and. And he's doing a cover of Live Wire, and he's like, "Hey, Bubba, come on and you know sing this one on stage." And I was like a little kid. I was like, "Hey, man, I'm singing with my bud and his band, and we get to you know sing Live Wire." So I'm so excited on stage. And Chris goes, "You sing the beginning," and I raise the microphone up to my mouth, and I hit myself in the mouth so hard, <laughs> I chip my tooth. Oh my I rookie mistake. <laughs> it's such a rookie mistake. And, and I'm like, "Oh man, how am I supposed to finish this song without looking like a complete dude?" to all these wrestling fans because this was in like yeah. 2001 yeah very early on in our in our time it's just it's all wrestling fans yeah. there yeah. so but that's my live yeah, wire story yeah. um so we did live wire i love the song but to me i love shout out the devil that's that's, that's i take that one over over, wow. over live wire still to this day the 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 the, the shout shout boom boom and it's funny i did not write judas but there's a lot of people go oh, judas riff is the same as shout out the devil riff bow it is kind of similar but um also i love that part in the dirt where it's just like we're not shouting with the devil we're shouting at the devil and they would always say that like come on guys what are you christian rock now is a striper we know what you're doing there's a pentagram on the front yeah you're saying yeah. shout at the devil. And on the back, there's a warning that says this album may contain hidden messages when played backwards. Wow. I yep. forgot about yep. that. Did you ever try and play it backwards? Oh, absolutely. And you <laughs> can you'll hear whatever you want to hear. Exactly. You'll make stuff up in your head like, oh my God, he just told me to worship Satan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, uh, next, uh, Public Enemy Number 1, written by Nikki Six and Lizzie Gray. Back from the London days. Decline of the Western Civilization, remember Lizzie Gray? Wait, song two is Come On and Dance. Okay, so now here's the problem. This is the, there's two different line, uh, track listings. There's the Canadian and there's there's the other one, because this is the one that I always had. So you're saying Come On and Dance. I, I got it. We got to go by, by the Wikipedia. Well, we got to go by yours, because I think it would make the two albums even track-wise. Yeah, it's 10 yes. versus 10. Okay, that's fine, but I'm just letting you know. It's interesting. For the a- record, song two on Too Fast for Love is come on and dance. Song two on my Too Fast for Love and on Wikipedia is Public Enemy number one. That's interesting. I wonder if there's an... Let's go quickly look and see if there's an... Shit, if I'm wrong, I'm going to be so pissed. I could have swore come on and dance. Hold on a second. I had the original leather record set list, track listing. Wow, but we're missing a song. This is crazy. Yes, uh, Stick to Your Guns is, I think, off of... So, So Stick to Your Guns is on the original leather. So that's the one that I have. That the Canadian version was the leather version. So that's the one we got to do. I don't know if it's. I don't know if it's a question of Canadian. It was on the American version too. Okay, so we're doing the original leather records because we have to have the same amount of songs in, on each album. So this, is, gonna... this is getting dicey already. <laughs> <laughs> There's going to be an asterisk on this podcast because this All is right. it's wonky. Well, it's wonky, but we got to stick this way because we can't do ten versus nine. Although we could throw away "God Bless the Children." No, no, that's not how it works. It's my show. <laughs> Public Enemy Number One: Lizzie Gray, Nikki Six versus uh, Looks That Kill. 
Dave, you go first. Oh, you really? <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll take it. No, I'll, because okay. I had this lined up in my head, and I had Mary go around <laughs> second. You threw him off, man. You hey, hey, off. brother, you got to go with the flow. We're, <laughs> okay, we're calling so in the first. ring. I'll go first. Uh, just to switch. Uh, looks that kill. Uh, yeah, dude, this, for me, there's no there's no, uh, there's no, no contest. Looks that kill is, is the song for me. Public Enemy Runs is nice. Nice little uh, cowbell line. Or Public Enemy, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, Looks that kill. First video I ever saw, and I loved in the dirt when the chick did the same thing with the video. Yeah, looks that kill us the one. Whenever I hear that to this day, that's my live wire, Bubba. That's the one I want to drive fast and make bad decisions to. Dave? Looks that kill. It's not, and to me, just like Chris said, it's not even close. Looks that kill. That video for looks that kill. When I think of Motley Crue, I think of that video. I love that song. It it is a song when you're in the car, you put it up all the way. I, I to isn't me it's it, a no brainer. Is, isn't it funny how many of those videos of that time frame were like that? Looks that kill, lick it up, uh uh rock you by Helix, Scorpions, uh Rock You Like a Hurricane, Megadeth Wake Up Dead, where there's like there like there's people behind cages yeah, shaking yeah. it. It's very a lot of those. Bubba? If we would have stuck with the original, oh. I relax. This is not busted open where you have to throw a fit about everything. I am over it. I'm explaining myself. Jesus, Felix. (laughs) (laughs) So if it would have been come on and dance versus looks that kill, I would have went with looks that kill. But now you're throwing public enemy number one versus looks that kill. I'm taking public enemy number one. Looks that kill is very... Look, to me, looks that kill was the little sister of shout at the devil. I mean, it, it's the more popular one. It's the one everybody knows. But Shout was the real heavy uh, song to me. Looks That Kill is the popular one. I basic To me, they were kind of like the same songs, but Shout was heavier. You put Looks That Kill up against Public Enemy number one for me. I like Public Enemy number one, and I'm going to go back to the purity of that first album. Let's just, I just, we, we kind of glossed it over. Let's talk about in the beginning, the, just the intro, go back a bit, just how powerful that was as a little kid. It was like scary. Beyond you know? scary. You know, it, the, the narration and then how it goes like, come now, children, be said, shout at the devil. Boom. Can you uh, can you remember the the, the lyric? In the beginning, good always overpowered the evils of all man's sins. But in time, the nations grew weak and our cities fell to scum while evil stood strong. In the dusts of hell lurked the blackest of hates. For he who is fear awaits you. Now, Now, many, many lifetimes later, lay destroyed, beaten down. Corpses of rebels, ashes of dreams, and blood-stained streets. It has been written that those who have the youth have the future. So come now, children of the beast, be strong and shout at the devil. God, that was good. (laughs) Dude, that rules. You nailed it. So check this out. So in TNA... Everybody's looking at the word. Yes, we're devil worshippers. In TNA... Like, they wanted me to turn into this 
dark version of Bully Ray. So they send me out there to attack Ken Anderson one time, and they're like, just cut a really dark, disturbing promo on him. I'm like, well, what do you want me to say? Because I wasn't feeling this at all, but this is what they needed me to be at the time. They're like, just say something dark. So I said, okay. I nailed Ken Anderson in the back of the head, and I recited word for word on live television in the beginning. I remember seeing that, and I jumped out of my chair. I was like, holy shit. Did that really just happen? The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. All right, we move on to uh, uh, track number three. Bastard versus Take Me to the Top. Wow, this is a tough one too, man. So out of order. <laughs> that's that, that's the one that they play um, uh, in the dirt right a bit. Down, 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 yep. down, 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 Take me to the top. Wow. And I know your favorite song is Bastard. Yeah. I, mean, I love Take Me to the Top too, man. If this was only the other order, but it's not. Um, I... I'm, I'm going to say Bastard only because Take Me to the Top chorus is not as strong as the verse, but the that might be one of my favorite Motley Crue riffs but see, of all you're, time. You're breaking it down like musically, like the chorus is not as strong as this. Which song makes you feel Bastard. better? Okay, Bastard. so then that's the answer. But I, I agree, but I'm just giving a little bit of props to the verse of Take Me okay. to the Top because I like that riff. I, I'm with you. It's Bastard. Bastard. Again, the, the strength of, especially the first side of Shout at the Devil, I think is really the core and the strength of this album. And Bastard's, again, like that that hook, I, I love Bastard. I just love the title, Bastard. Yes. Once again, think about this in 1983. Shout at the Devil, that's bad. Like, you know, when you saw that, it was something that, that you felt a little bit strange about. A song called Bastard. A song called God Bless the Children of the Beast. Like, I was these guys are evil man yeah they don't want you to think that they're shouting with the devil but god bless the children of the (laughs) beast right that's right (laughs) but you know chris makes a really good point because now we've kind of gotten used to it with language and songs but back then man there wasn't a lot of cursing in songs oh and bastard was like you didn't say that so you heard bad this was the type of song where my father would come into my room and tell me to turn it off that's right consider that bastard dead what is it in goes in goes his knife out comes his life how goes he goes, my knife, out comes his life. Oh, damn but it. just, I love that line. Consider In goes the knife, out comes his life. Shock. The beast says, Monk, man, man, give me the, don't try to rape me. It's a great song, but I'm just, I'm such a too fast for love guy. Take me to the top. All right. Well, this, this, this song was pretty much going to be a slaughter. God bless the children of the beast versus merry-go-round. <laughs> yeah, this is it's the only way that Mary Girl would ever win. I, I'm, and I'm and see, here's where Too Fast loses me. Ah. Because I dig Mary Go Round, but I don't love it. If I never heard it again, yeah. it wouldn't affect yeah. me. But I feel the same way about God Bless the Children of the Beast, because I felt like it was just this... I don't even was, know, really know why they put it there. It felt like filler. It's filler. 
It's a filler track. They probably needed some extra time on there. Nick was noodling. They thought, oh, that's a pretty creepy title. Let's put it on there. Um, it's actually funny. I actually had to think about this for a couple seconds. And obviously, I'm going to go with Merry-Go-Round because it's got a great solo on it. But I love, and once again, scared me a little bit of that. God bless the children of the beast. It's just like, oh, it's just creepy. But uh, I'm going to go with Merry-Go-Round. Merry-Go-Round and Round. Yeah. Merry-Go. It's, it, this is why your track listing is perfect. Because these are the two weakest songs, one from each album. Merry Go Round yeah. is my least favorite song on Too Fast, and God Bless the Children of the Beast is my least favorite song on Shout at the Devil. I, I'm not in love with either one, but I probably would have to go with Merry Go Round. And as a kid, I would always, when I went to bed at night, I would play Shout at the Devil. And I would let it, you know, fr from beginning to end, and I always hoped that I fell asleep before God bless the children the beast came on because it just weirded me out so much yeah. that I felt like I was gonna have bad devil worshiping dreams in my sleep. <laughs> I used to do it because you put it, you'd put it on at the beginning and wait till it goes to the end. Hopefully, sleep in that time. Uh, Sergeant Pepper. I woke up one night with this laughing, and it freaked me out. I was so creeped out. What I did not know is at the end of Sgt. Pepper after Day in the Life, there's about a 20 second break and then they did this looping laughing at the very end where it goes -ha 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 -ha! and they just wanted that to go around because this is before the record would take its own needle off. Mm -hmm. So if you just left it, it would just keep playing this laughter. They wanted that. And I didn't know it was there. Just someone who's in my house laughing. <laughs> uh, then we go to, this is a little bit more of a battle, Helter Skelter, speaking of the Beatles, versus PCR Action. This is a good one too, man. I'll start. I'm going to say uh, I love Helter Skelter. I think they do a great job of it. Much better than the uh, Jailhouse Rock cover they did, which was shit. Um, piece of your action though, man. That's a great verse, great lyric, uh, great solo, man. Just the drums and guitar playing. I love piece of your action. It's one of my favorite Motley Crue songs. Piece of your action. And I love Helter Skelter. I think it's a great cover. I I wanted to hear your take on it because I know you're such a huge Beatles fan. So I was wondering if you would like that song I love or it. not. And, and I do too. I really love it. And the it, thing but... I love about it is it's not that much different from the original version. And it just shows how heavy the Beatles were. Like they were all things to music. They invented, you know, pop rock and roll. And there's some ska on there with Obli Diobada. There's some heavy stuff with, you know, this type of uh, Helter Skelter and, and, and I Want You, She's So Heavy and Revolution. So I thought they crew did a great job of it but uh piece of action awesome tune helter skelter might be my top two favorite motley covers and i really really like it and i'm gonna give helter skelter the edge Ooh, yeah wow. i i really i find myself like when it comes on i leave it on and i listen to it and i think it's one of those lost motley tracks that people don't talk about it a lot what's your favorite motley uh, cover Anarchy. Oh, okay, cool. Very cool. Yeah, Anarchy. Mo no, uh, you know, Megadeth did Anarchy and Motley did Anarchy, but uh, around the same time too. Yeah, but and I think Motley. I think Motley did it first. Um, it fit Motley more because they're more of that. Th that's the punk side of Motley. And if you ever saw that notorious show in Phoenix, where they were all in a rotten mood one night and they started playing anarchy and something happened and the song was off and one of the security guards in the front row was screwing with the fans and motley and vince just stopped the song and i think said something to one of the security guards and then motley just said everybody come on stage think about the risks of getting people getting hurt you're talking about an arena full of like 15,000 people bum rushing the stage and motley tells the fans screw security 
them up if you have to. Everybody get on stage. And this, there's hundreds, if not a thousand fans on stage. And all of a sudden you hear Tommy's sticks just go, you know, click, click, one, two, three, four. And they broke into anarchy. Yeah, sure. And all the fans, I'm getting goosebumps talking about it. All the fans are on the stage. That is the epitome of punk. And that was Motley Crue. That's Motley Crue not giving a f and proving it. We're going to get sued. Listen, Nikki dropped N-bombs sometimes. I heard about that. That's Nikki right. Nikki would drop N-bombs on security guards, security guards who were being, I guess, what he thought rude to fans. Like, they would stop shows. So they were... I'm not saying he was right in no. saying these things. He just didn't care. It just didn't care. This he whole probably said it on purpose to know that he would get that reaction. I mean, you, you know can't I mean? say it now. Yeah. You yeah know? No, I no, mean, no, you no. couldn't say it then, but. Oh, no, yeah. But now there's no way. Half the stuff that they used to do, just like half the stuff in life general oh, in 2019, you couldn't get away. I with. was telling Bully today, like, I remember from when I first started going to a concert to around 2000, every concert I went to just before the concert would start. The camera guy that was running the, you know, the Titan Tron where they would show like the crowd would scan the crowd and chicks would pull up their shirt and show their tits. That that yeah. happened at every single concert. And then like suddenly like around 2000, it just stopped. Yeah. And that, not that I wanted to see anyone's tits at the Kiss concert that we went to at Madison Square Garden. Some of the guys had some nice ones. <laughs> but, but you know what I'm saying? Times change. You're right. I remember something... Tommy used to, DX used to do it. You Absolutely, know, you know, in '98, it's Tom, when, in which when rock and roll and wrestling were fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tommy used to do that on. I saw on the Generation Swine tour. He had the boob cam or whatever. Show me your tits. Yep. All right, so now we kick off side two. This is a good one. Red Hot versus Starry Eyes. Both of them with drum intros. Not even close. Okay, Bubba, stop. Red Hot is one of the greatest Motley Crue songs. Agreed. I mean, Red Hot and Live Wire, like they're right there, like number one or two. That double bass of Tommy's coming in, like and this, the bass, the bass guitar with it too. You know, sometimes you're you're a bigger Metallica fan than I am, so sometimes I, I hear Metallica dissing Motley Crue. Yes or no? Yes. Okay. But how does Lord James' just great quote is, one time I saw a bunch of hookers and then I realized they were Motley Crue. <laughs> okay, that, that's cool. No, but like, how can Metallica bash Motley Crue? Like, we have a song like Red Hot with that double bass. I mean, yeah, can Lars play a, a, a faster, meaner double bass? Yeah, but that song, that that is a Metallica-esque song. Live Wire is a Metallica-esque song. And Tommy's a great drummer, too. Let's just say that. His groove is, is over the top, but... Great lyrics to shout at the devil, the rain on evil rings. Love Red Hot. Um, there's something to me, though, with Starry Eyes. I love that drum intro and then the chit chit with the clap. And I think that's where the T-Rex stuff came yes. in. If, and if you remember the original lead singer, Motley Crue, I don't remember his name. Odin. Oh, yeah, yeah, I think Odin, you're right. I yeah. read it the other day. Yeah. So uh, he was totally against doing the clapping stuff. And Nikki wouldn't have any of it and, and fired him because he wouldn't do clap, the clap yeah. stuff. Um, it's pretty close for me. Uh, I'll go Starry Eyes just to be different. Okay. Just to me, it's a 9.9 .9 and a 10. I think it's close, but I'm going to go with Red Hot as okay. well. So. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. All right, so uh, we left off with Red Hot and Starry Eyes. Now, um, stick to your guns versus Too Young to Fall in Love. Um, I was never a fan of Too Young to Fall in Love. What? I know it was a, a, a video. I know it was a, a hit. But um, it's a hard one. It's, I'm going to go stick to your guns. It's got that little jazz little ding 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 I mean, for me, it's pretty easy. It's stick to your guns. It's the it's one of the first songs that was ever written by Motley Crue. Stick to your guns. Toast to the town. As a matter of fact, Motley, um, they took like every dime that they had to you know, and they they made that forty five. Yep. of stick to your guns and toast to the town and they only made 500 of them and they would throw them out to the crowd at like the Troubadour or you know the Starwood or the, or the Whiskey or you know any place they were playing out on in, in West Hollywood Sunset Strip uh, I love that song it's it's on my on my playlist I actually have I one say of the, that yeah I, didn't you I, just tweet that out yeah like some fan uh, tweeted me he's like hey check this out Bubba I have an original leather records copy of too fast for love and i retweeted and i said that's really cool but i got the holy grail and i showed him that i have one of only 500 copies of uh toast of the town and stick your Did guns motley up. uh respond uh, motley uh i think uh At motley crew yeah yeah the motley crew twitter uh like you know put up the devil horns and that's probably nikki six doing that is it no <laughs> <laughs> where did you get the leather records thing from i actually it there was a there was a place called breakdown records in New York City, and one of the guys there, oh, oh the leather records? Yeah, the one of the single that you said. Oh, I'm had. sorry, at the break at the breakdown records, yeah. How much did it cost? I think I got it for like 125. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. At the time, and now that's it's awesome. worth like 1300. Wow. Yeah, it's the rarest piece of Molly. Yeah, yeah. That and the Helter Skelter picture disc. Okay, gotcha. That's all great, and everything. Too young to fall in love is a much better song. <laughs> Okay. I, 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 cause I, eyes. cause you, cause you say things that I don't know as, um, as a fan and I'm, as much as I love this album, sometimes it offends me. You Vince, don't even, you don't even know the song stick to your guns. I do know the song stick to your guns. Too young to fall. Can I, can I get into too young to fall in love? I love Vince Neal's voice and too young to fall in love. Like, and and you know, like you said, it was the video, and the video is a little bit of a knockoff of what we saw in their previous video, yeah. a little bit, but I, I I just love that song. I love his voice. And I think this is the separation in a lot of ways. Your love, especially, Billy, your love for Too Fast for Love and my love for Shout at the Devil. And you said it, because it's it's a little bit uh, a little bit of punk. It's a little bit more of what their roots are. I guess it's I'm a metalhead and shout at the devil and I think this song is an ex- example of it. It's just an awesome heavy metal album, and that's great. And that's your opinion, and I'm not offended by your opinion, but you're offended by mine, and and that's the problem. <laughs> it's very liberal of you. <laughs> All right, <laughs> then we get into uh, oh this is killer. Knock 'em dead, kid, versus come on and dance. Knock 'em dead, kid. Yeah. It's such a great rebellious Motley Crue song. It it just re, when when I hear the song, it just makes me think of the the four of them collectively p- knocking people out. 
I mean, it's such a great song. It's a song that I'll play before matches sometimes. It's something that I'll tweet to people as like, uh, instead of go get them or break a leg, for me, it's knock them dead, kid. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and just go out there and, and, and steal the show and, and tear the house down. Great song title, too. I'm going to also go with, oh, you go, you went last, last time. No, I was going to, first of all, that's a really cool story, Bully, about like that you would listen to that before matches. And yeah, I, I agree. I think it's Knock em Dead Kid. I, I, I love that song. I love um, the chorus of like the blade is red kid, Knock em Dead Kid, you know, just using kid over and over again. Great song title. It's like a cliche that no one's ever thought of. And in 1993, I did a demo under the name of Great Caesar's Ghost, where I wrote five songs. And I needed an extra song for the third, uh, for side two, three, and three. And I covered Knock 'em Dead Kid, where I played all the guitars, all the bass. I sang it, but I had this shitty drum machine that I couldn't figure out how to make it work. So the drums were like behind. And it's like, Knock 'em Dead Kid. Knock 'em Dead. It's so bad. But if you took the drums out, I did an okay job of it. That's a fun riff to play on guitar. And Come On Dance is a really good song. I like that song a lot. But, you know, like you said, it's an iconic song. Once again, that's going into the T Rex category and the power pop of Cheap Trick. So. Uh, too fast for love title track versus ten seconds to love. Wow! Too fast for love. I mean, this, this and and listen, it's no offense to ten seconds. Uh, too fast for love is is just that is. Uh, how would Michael Cole say it? It's. Uh, um, He'd say it the way Vince wanted him to say it. <laughs> Damn it. Say it like this. It's like quintessential Motley Crue. You know? uh, Ten seconds to love. I can appreciate that. But no, it's just a damn good song. I like the... uh, So you chose... Uh, too fast for love. Too fast for love. Yeah. I, I, this is funny because they're both really cool songs and they're kind of obscure in a way. I always loved uh, Ten Seconds to Love. I always thought it meant like in ten seconds there's going to be some love, and then I realized no, you only have ten seconds to love because you're in the elevator, right? I love the beginning of that, the in the elevator. But uh, Too Fast for Love, especially with the intro, is one of my favorite Motley Crue songs. Yeah, for me, it's too fast for love. Also, although ten seconds to love is just the it's the epitome of all of the dirty things that Motley Crue are. You know, touch my gun, but don't pull my trigger. Let's make history in the elevator. I mean, you know, lock the door, shine my pistol some more. Here I come, just ten seconds more. You got to be Motley Crue or Rob Halford to write those lyrics. (laughs) Or nineteen eighty five Paul Stanley. Uh, all night in the elevator <laughs> but yeah it's one of those ones if, if this was another song from too fast for love i probably would pick uh, 10 seconds of love but i, th- I think uh too fast is just the one for me cool. all right final songs on the record on with the show versus danger danger is so underrated it's Bingo. it's one it probably is like one of the most lost motley crew tracks you never hear anybody talk about danger. You never hear it even played like on a B-side rotation. You just, you just never, ever hear it. It's a great song, but there's something about hearing Nikki write about him dying on the inside. I mean, there are so much to the lyrics of On With The Show. And if when you really listen to it, it I mean, I think that song puts his 
his heart and soul out. You know, he's laying it out there for everybody to see and showing how vulnerable he really is. I think it's a good. Dude, song. I just got that right now. Frankie died just the other day. I used to think I used to think it was Fricky. Fricky. Oh, Frankie. Frankie. That's him, him. That's him. He's Frank. Yeah. Wow. Frank. What is this? Uh, Thirty-five years later. Yeah. I finally get that. I never picked that up before. Frank. Ferrana, but his Frank Serafino Ferrana. I mean, it doesn't get any more Guinea than that. And, and that, and that's why like Nikki Six was a big deal to me because not only did he look cool, but he's an Italian kid who was doing it his way. So I mean, the guy was my freaking idol growing up. Yeah. You know. Um. So you know, uh, on with the show for me, Dave. Yeah, and in that interview that uh, Bully and I did with Nikki Six, he explained that story to us, and it's fascinating. It makes me love that song even more. But man, On With The Show is one of my favorite Motley Crue songs of all time. And I just, that song is really the song when my brother let me borrow Too Fast For Love. That was the song that made me fall in love with that album probably more than any other. Over the years, Livewire has become my favorite song. But that ballad, we talk about ballads. I mean, talk about a, a deep meaning, especially at, at the time when I was listening to it, like seventh and eighth grade that that time period it's a really strong song and it, it's it's amazing and like i said it's one of my favorite motley Crue songs it's interesting to me because when i first bought uh shout of the devil i thought danger was a shitty track throwaway track never listened to it really and then one year i just heard it kind of on shuffle or something it's like that song is really deep and dark and i really love it and on with the show i don't like the beginning of it I find the riff of like the ding, 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 ding. It's like if I was going to write a ballad, it'd be some like very generic stock riff. I think the end of On With The Show is the best way to close that album with a, oh, baby, at the end. It was this kind of uplifting, oh, with the show. But I got to go with Danger. Um, wow. I love the fact, too, that they build and build and build the song. And at the very end, it says, this is Hollywood. Danger, this is Hollywood. They never say that during the song until the very end. And I thought that's really interesting. And one of the words you just used, uplifting. Mm -hmm. You felt like on with the show left you with an uplifting yes. feeling. Yes. Which is the way Axel wanted to end Appetite for Destruction. Because he felt Appetite was such a hard, heavy, destructive. Nice. You know, yeah. but he, want, he wanted Rocket Queen to end on the emotion of hope. So when I look at those That's two true, songs true, yeah. and the way they're they're both the last songs on their first albums and both songwriters wanted to end uh, with an uplifting feel like you said yeah. with with Axel was hope and with uh with on with the show it was what was the word you used again um just, uplifting. uplifting yeah yeah, yeah. yeah it's interesting too because if you look at the two records too fast for love ends on a very uplifting note and shout the ends on a very downlifting note. Like this is Hollywood. It's dangerous. Watch out, kids. You know you might not make it out alive. And if and if and if there was a dark song that had to epitomize the movie The Dirt, it would be Danger. Yeah, and because really, it. Yeah, yeah, wasn't used at all. It, it, you, back then, if you wanted to make your fame and fortune, or back then, even now, you go to Hollywood. But look out, it's Danger. It's Hollywood. And, and actually, Danger is Welcome to the Jungle. When you think about it, yeah. they're they're singing about the seediness of Hollywood and how it can destroy you. It's interesting that Motley Crue and Guns N' Roses never did a tour together. At least, yes, they did. did they? They did. Motley and Guns did two or three weeks in the southeast during <laughs> the. I want to. It's either. 
it would have to have been girls, girls, girls. Yeah. It, it was but, girls, 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 appetite for destruction. Guns was 87, yeah. That's when it came out, Guns N' Roses. Yeah. So or was it feel good? Feel good would be 89. No, no. They were already huge by then, yeah, right? Yeah. No. Yeah, they were big by it then. It was probably the girls tour. It would have to be girls, girls, did, girls, yeah. yeah. So uh, they did about three weeks. Okay. And I remember Duff McKagan saying that the guys in Guns N' Roses, they're like, we thought we could, you know, bang the hottest girls, snort the most cocaine, drink the most Jack Daniels, and shoot the most heroin. And then we met Motley Crue. <laughs> and that really something like that, like, like when you hear that, you're like, holy shit. Yeah. Like when you get, when you read the first, when you get to the end of the first chapter of the dirt, the first question that comes to mind is, how are these guys still alive? Right. Oh, yeah, definitely. But it's, it's the same thing as, as Mick and Keith in the 70s. I mean, the Stones, Ozzy, Lemmy, how do these guys live so long by just abusing themselves constantly? Some guys get lucky. Some guys don't. You know what I mean? Did anybody here, before we get the final tally, did any of you guys ever see Motley Crue on the show at the Devil Tour? You did? With Ozzy. Open for Ozzy. No way. Yeah. That's in awesome. the Meadowlands. That how do you remember it? I mean, how was it? Yeah, the you know the 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 memories I do have was great, and that was the tour that everybody said that Motley blew Ozzy off the stage. Right, that's the tour that put them on the map. It's it's so weird that you bring that up because I didn't see that tour, but I saw uh, when Metallica opened for Ozzy, and Metallica blew right, Ozzy right, off the right. stage. So it's amazing when you look at those two tours. That tour made Motley Crue, and that tour made Metallica. It's a shame. We were talking about this yesterday, too, just to bring this up quickly. How yesterday with the Kiss show, a huge tour, sold out everywhere, and they have a painter as the opening act. Yeah. And I understand the artistic you know, merits of it or whatever, but what I don't like is Kiss was famous. Motley Crue was one of them, of bringing these bands on tour and making them. Metallica, too. Jim Brewer opening. It's like, yeah, Jim's great, but fuck. They need to bring the bands on. I mean, that was Kiss's thing was okay, making bands. Okay, so let me put the gun to your head, and the answer cannot be Fozzie. Okay. Who do you bring? For Kiss? Yes. Dude, I mean, I think we would have fit great, but if there's other bands that, that have the same vibe as this, Hailstorm. Um, Dude, uh, when Gene Simmons said a couple of years ago that rock and roll is dead, everybody went in an uproar, but I'm, I understand what he's saying. What's going to – Motley's gone. What's going to happen when Kiss is gone? What's going to happen when Van Halen is gone? What's going to happen when Guns N' Roses Van is gone? Van Halen's gone already. But you, you get my point. I get your point. There it? is nobody on the horizon. And let me ask you this. Will Fozzie ever, and, and you know I think the world of you and your band, is Fozzie ever going to be Motley Crue or Guns no, N' Roses or no. Kiss? I mean, I don't, I don't think, think, I don't I don't think, think any this climate band can. can be. Right? I don't think any band can at this point in time. And you're right about that. And, and I think, you know, just as we bring this back to Motley Crue, you said a few times that's when that's when music was fun. That's when rock and roll was fun in the eighties. Listen, we all are eighties guys. I don't want to live in the past, but that was a fun era of rock and roll. And that fun element doesn't exist as much as it used to. But a lot of that is probably for the best because I think a lot of the fun was guys almost dying of heroin as a result. But fine. 
if that's the life you choose, I kind of equate that to like wrestlers not being allowed to use steroids. Who gives a shit? Mm -hmm. It's sports entertainment no different than Cirque du Soleil. Is everybody going to be mad if the, the trapeze artists are gassed to the gills? It's a life decision <laughs> that you have made. Yeah. If you want to be in a rock and roll band and you want to hang out with strippers and, and drink and do heroin, that's your decision. You know the pitfalls of it. Right. You know all the bad things that can come with it. But if that's a decision that you make. But that's what I'm saying. I think maybe a lot of decisions that guys are making are just to not do that anymore, which I think, you know, might have taken away some of the fun element of it uh, to the fans. Okay. But listen, look at look at a band like ACDC. Were they ever really huge partiers? Malcolm and Bond, but that's about it. But they still put on fun rock and roll shows. Yeah. I'm sure there are plenty of bands there that if you took if you took the drugs and the booze out. There still can be fun. They still can be but, but, fun. But you just, but you just, I don't remember the last time I went to a fun show that wasn't. But you almost stepped on your own tail on that one, Bubba, because you just said ACDC, one of the greatest frontmen of all time, who died of a heroin overdose. Modern ACDC. We know that was the. Wait, you just, who died of a heroin overdose? Bon Scott. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. He choked on his own puke. Oh, is it? Were we at breaking news? <laughs> I had a guy on- You know a guy who knows a guy? No, I, have, I know a guy. I had a guy on this podcast who wrote a book about Bon Scott, the death of Bon Scott. And the theory is, with all the research that I did, all the people he talked to, is do you know when Bon Scott choked in his own vomit? Well, they also said he died of hypothermia first, which it was plus six outside. And what the theory is, is that Bon died of a heroin overdose. And they, the brothers covered it up because that doesn't fit ACDC's- party vibe what would fit ACDC's party vibe is if Bond puked on his own vomit from drinking all night not from dying of heroin interesting theory I'm gonna chalk this up to you being a conspiracy theorist guy thus your ghost podcast and all that stuff <laughs> I, I I do not believe that one of the most uh Bon Scott dying the same way that John Bonham did, which is the way a bunch of rock, you know, Mama Kaz chokes on a on a ham sandwich, you know, cash, cost, <laughs> whatever. Mama Kaz. You know, I, I don't know. Was heroin that big of a, a thing? If you read then? this book, you'd see that Bon was going down that trip. He was getting into heroin the night that he uh, died. He had bought some heroin. So it's one of the things. And knowing the weirdness of ACDC and the weirdness of the Young Brothers, it kind of you know, makes little sense. I mean, I really think that's conspiracy theory. But my point being, I don't know the let Fozzie. I'll give you that. You're probably the most fun band. You know who else is? But but they're not new. Godsmack. Mm. Godsmack puts on a good show. And the standout thing about a Godsmack show is the double drum solo. It's fun. What do I equate to fun? When I walk out with a smile on my face, sure, sure, sure. Knowing I that I had a good time. I agree. I mean, it's 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 different. Like you know, I I wouldn't say they were fun, but like a band like Ghost, they put on a really good stage show. They're theatrical, and that's something that a lot of people thought was gone. From modern day rock music, so well, I think there'll be a band that. You no, know, you're talking about, place. and I think it's it's because their last twenty years haven't been strong. Talking about the crew, you forget just how pioneering it's. They, they just gloss right over it in the dirt as they had to because they didn't have time. Think of the Motley Crue's production. Think of this drums like roller coaster, and that was like it's. I remember theater pain tour when I went, and the the drums went up like that. And I couldn't. Degrees. I couldn't see what it said. And, I, 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 and somebody asked me, "What does it say on the side?" I said, "It says welcome." My friend says, "Welcome." It says, "Eat me." <laughs> <laughs> but I think once again, like the crew, 
created a lot of stuff and people forget it because like i said the last 20 years they haven't been very active but but it's, it's you you said about kiss and that you wish that they had an opening band instead of you know that painter but if they had an opening band and kind of going back to bully's point if it was a newer band would people enter the building to see that opening band yeah like you know like like i remember and and we, we said this when we had you know dave sabo on like when I saw them open up for Aerosmith, I guess that was like 1990 on Aerosmith's Skid Row. Tour. Yeah, Skid Row. Like, they were amazing. That 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 won me over. I I, I missed those days because me and my friends would go early to see you, the opening that's, band. That's the value. You yes. got to get there to see everything. Yeah. I don't know if people would do that. We're nowadays. so pretentious now. I mean, last night Kiss played a song called "Say Yeah." It's a great song from Sonic Boom in 2010. No one cared except for me. I love Say Yeah. yeah. But it's like they can't even get their hardcore fans to listen to one song that's 10 years old. Never mind an opening band that's playing eight new songs. When did that start? I don't know. I don't like it, you know. I think that there, there was one band they could have took out with them and have them open. And I'm not going to give you the answer. I'm going to give you some hints and see if you guys can come up with it. So Kiss paid homage to two other bands during their show last night, who were the two bands that Kiss pays homage to? The Who and who else? I don't know. What's the other one? Zeppelin. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So if they're paying homage to Who and the Zeppelin, that means they must respect these two bands. Who, what modern- Greta Van Fleet. There you go. That's who I had thought before. That would have been the band. You bring Greta Van Fleet on, and what's the song that they play right before Kiss opens? Rock and roll. Rock and roll. So we know Kiss likes- Led Paul Zeppelin. loves Greta Van Fleet. I know that for a and, fact. So if you're going to tell me you're going to put Greta Van Fleet, listen, is Greta Van Fleet uh, have the same kind of, are they Motley Crue? No, but they're a good up and coming band yeah. with a good sound. Yeah. People are talking and about them. they're young and they got a buzz just and like Motley go. Crue did And that's a band that Kiss yeah. could have yeah. helped. Or you do it the way Crew did it and bring out Alice Cooper, which was a great double bill. Just give us some more rock and roll, man. Everybody but wait, you know the business behind this stuff. How does a band like get Greta Van Fleet? I mean, would Kiss pay them? Kiss doesn't have to pay anybody to sell. And that's out. obvious. The fact they have a painter. The painter's opening for them, probably paying them. Probably. And if if you you know we've done when we toured with Slash, he paid us five hundred dollars a night, take it or leave it. Listen, and Slash did not say it that way, but you take it because you're going to be playing in front of sold out shows that he's going to sell it whether we play. Whether the painter paints, whether the comedian tells jokes, and then you got to make it work. Do your merch? Do your VIPs? Can you make money off this? But that's kind of the way it is. It's like Iron Maiden. You're going to sell out either way. That's why the Iron Maiden has all of Steve's kids' bands, Bruce's kids' bands. They don't need anybody else. They're giving their own kids a chance. But at least they're giving somebody a chance, you know? But, you know, um, as we wind down here with the uh, the classic album clash, I guess it's, it's the question. Which one do you like better? Shout of the Devil or Too Fast for Love? I can tell you what we accomplished today. Absolutely nothing. Because <laughs> all we did was argue in respectable tones. <laughs> I don't know. Did anybody keep score? I, I, no, no, you don't keep score. Just overall. I actually kept score for oh, myself. Okay. Okay. But no, but for me, it's it split right down the middle. I picked five too fast for love and five from shout at the devil. I never thought that. I actually thought coming in that this was going to be a landslide for shout at the See, devil. That's why this is so cool yes. to do these. And it's split right down the middle. So if you go by that, I think they're as e- they're even in my eyes from that. Now obviously I'm going to gravitate towards shout at the devil, but when you look at it from song to song, which is what this is, it's split right down the middle for me. 
when it when it comes to shout at the devil, I give Nikki so much credit because to me, the second album is so much more difficult than the first. That's true. The first you've been working on all your life since the day you picked up a guitar or you were writing lyrics or, or drumsticks. You've been working on that first album forever. And then that first album hits. And Too Fast really didn't hit hard for Motley Crue. It, 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 it had a decent amount of sales, but Nikki was smart enough to go, all right, I'm onto something here. Now I really got to put my brains into this. I mean, I don't believe anything on Shout at the Devil was left over from Too Fast yeah, for Love. From scratch, and, right? and, I, and I asked Snake Sabo, I said, was there anything on Slave that wasn't on the first Skid Row? He goes, no, that's all brand new stuff. And that's where I give bands a lot of credit because to come up with that second album that is, is on par with or better than that first. So that's where I give Nikki a lot of credit. But I love Too Fast because it's Motley in its purest form. Um, I'm going to go with Shout Out the Devil for all the reasons that you said, and plus the progression. As uh, I think, to me, uh, uh, Too Fast for Love is Kill Em All. All the songs are great, but it's very... Um, they're, they're first day at songwriting school songs. If you're great, like Nicky is, it's a great record. But he just continued to get better until he started getting fucked up on heroin. Just like James and Lars got better, the more they learned, the more they grew. So I think I, I think Too Fast is a great record, but to me, uh, uh, Shout of the Devil is it eclipses it and shows the power of, the, of Motley Crue and where they were going to go. Chris, you just made an excellent point. Like, when you hear Too Fast for Love, it sounds like their first album. Yes. You're, you know, Shout Out the Devil could be their third, could be their fourth right. out. But when you hear Too Fast for Love, it sounds like their first it's album. It's also producers. Look who produced yeah, the absolutely. first one was them. Who, who produced Kill Em All, Metallica, you know. But this is kind of my point. Shout is polished. It's the exact reason why I didn't want Dr. Feelgood to be a part of this debate because feel good is so polished i mean without bob rock and the polish feel good may never be dr feel good so i like to strip things out it's like if i'm looking at a girl right some people say that girl is pretty and i always say well strip her down or a primer and let's see meaning take all the, <laughs> you know take all the makeup off and is she naturally pretty without all the makeup on and obviously beauty is in the eye of the beholder whatever but too Fast for Love is Motley Crue without their makeup on. It's them stripped down, doing it on their own. And if you can sound that good with no polish and no help, that's what stands out to me. Shout is produced. They had people come in on Shout. Shout was tweaked. It's still great, but well, outside said, people yeah, made it great. Tom Worman produced it. Uh, favorite song from each record? I'm going to go with, uh, uh, I'll say, I'm just going to be fun with it, Bastard. And I'll go with, uh, um, even though I didn't vote for it, I'll go, what's that? Bow down, dun, dun, talk, take me to the top. Wow. Uh, I'm going to go with Live Wire, Too Fast from Too Fast for Sorrow Love. And I'm going to go uh, Too Young to Fall in Love from Shout Out the Devil. Uh, Live Wire and Red Hot. There you go. Perfect. Yeah. The, two, the two speedy songs. All right, guys. Another classic album clash is in the books. And uh, always a pleasure to hang out with you. I think Greg has fallen asleep. I'm not full. Why? I'm full of energy. I'm ready to go for another one. <laughs> you would crash. You would true. crash and burn. All right. If we had to do another one right now, which one would you want to do? Well, he Chris has done a really good job of doing this. Like Alive and Alive Two is fantastic. If anyone's missed it, you should listen to that one. Bubba. They should definitely listen to that. It's fantastic. 
So, question for you: Which has been your favorite one so far? Or, or the, yeah. yeah, they've all been good. That's uh, well, uh, Aussie Diary versus Blizzard was great. Metallica Ride the Lightning versus Master Puppet was great. Kiss Alive versus Kiss Alive Two was awesome. Uh, the Power Slave Number of the Beast was awesome. Was there anyone that you went in thinking yes. one way and yes. came out of it thinking the other? It's not quite your ball of wax, but well, fifty-one fifty versus nineteen eighty-four. I thought nineteen eighty-four all the way. Then once we did it, as we struck it down, it was pretty much five yeah. to five, and you realize how great fifty-one fifty is. But the real one was Nevermind by Nirvana versus In Utero. I was like, In Utero, there's nothing on it. It was completely split down the middle. I'm a big Nirvana fan, and I was like, Nirvana fan. <laughs> and I was like, there's no way. But we did it. It's like, holy shit, In Utero is awesome. It's so funny how you had just mentioned uh, Kill Em All. Like, for me, Kill Em All is better than Master of Puppets. I would and, never and, say that. And you can't, for me, you can't get two better songs and hit the lights and whiplash, mm-hmm. which is why I kind of... You know, Live Wire and Red Hot. Yeah. They're the ones that are the most aggressive. They're the fastest. And the thing that I... I wasn't a Metallica fan at first. It took me years to get into Metallica, and I'm so glad I did. But the thing that blows me away about Metallica is the speed at which they can reproduce their sound live. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there's a couple of tricks that they're playing with, but I don't give a shit what tricks they're playing with. There's really for, not. for Lars to keep that yeah, double I mean, bass going L- on L- Whiplash. Lars has some shortcuts that he uses, but it's the same thing I told you when we were doing the show earlier today, doing a moon, uh, lion salt. I can do it on 60. It's just part of my muscle memory now. It's not even hard. Lars has been doing this since he was 15 years old. Even though he's almost 60 now, it's probably getting harder, but he can still do it. Charlie Watts at 77 can still play for the Stones because he's been doing it his whole life. You're playing a Stone song, though. Way different, <laughs> but still at 77, yeah. right? Are you? Let me ask you a question because I never really heard you mention this band. Are you a Sabbath guy? Are you a Black Sabbath fan? I retroactively more than I was, but I'm an Aussie guy. Okay. Aussie right. Osborne band. That's my band. And I'm a Dio guy. There you go. And I love the Ozzy stuff, but for me, the Dio stuff has more life. That could be a good one. Heaven and Hell versus Mob Rules. And so I've put my toe in the water with Zach, and he's always going to go with Oz. Always. But, yeah, but I mean, he shows you know the you know the respect to Ronnie James Dio. I don't know. Uh, Sabbath just took on a different life for me with Ronnie James Dio. Songwriting. It's just Ronnie's lyrics. And, and, and I think Iomi was on a mission. With- he was, and also, of course he was, just like Roth was on a mission and eat him and smile. When you mentioned Dio, you know what would be a good one? Is Heaven and Hell and uh, Holy Diver. We just did uh, Holy Diver versus Last in Line. That hasn't been released yet. Oh, it hasn't been released? Okay. Yeah, that's a good one. That is amazing. And, and I was never a Dio guy. All right. Thanks to Bully Ray and Dave LaGreca. It was a close one as always. Uh, go check out The Dirt on Netflix if you haven't already. And of course, you can check out Too Fast for Love or Shout at the Devil on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Music, whatever. And make sure you go to at Talk is Jericho and vote for your own Motley album that you like better. Uh, it's always a blast. Remember, they're both classic, amazing albums. It's just which one do you prefer at this moment, at this point in time? Uh, speaking of preferring, I prefer to let you know that Chris Jericho's Rock and Rager at Sea is almost sold out. We're getting ready to set sail January 20th. We're actually now legit 96% sold out, probably a little bit more. Um, it's going to be a great time with a lot of very cool guests. The newest of all, the new host of the Jericho Cruise after Brad Williams had to bow out due to uh, scheduling conflicts. Fluffy, 
Gabriel Iglesias is going to be there, one of the funniest comedians in the world today, one of the biggest comedians in the world today, and he's joining us on the Jericho Cruise to be your host with the most. I'm going to be there, AEW, Kenny Omega, Cody, Young Bucks, Hangman Page, uh, Brandy Rhodes, Britt Baker, Ali's going to be there. Hold on. Oh, we just had a, uh, someone try to drop a box on me like Roman Reigns here at SummerSlam. Um, got a great, great group of people. Uh, all MGF is going to be there. Uh, Hangman's going to be there, like I said. Uh, we also have Ric Flair as the guest of honor. I mentioned Fluffy. Vicky Guerrero is going to be hosting the NWO, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, X-Pac, Jake the Snake Roberts, Booker T. Uh, Jack Slade is going to be there. Uh, Fozzie's playing a bunch of shows during the cruise. Farewell to Fear, Dark Sky Choir, Rubik's Cube, great 80s cover band. Killer Queen, the great female Queen cover band. Dave Spivak Project, Jared James Nichols, Light the Torch, Kick Axe, DDP doing live DDP yoga, Beyond the Darkness telling live ghost stories. It's going to be the vacation of a lifetime. We've got less than 40 cabins left, so please book now at chrisjerichocruise.com. There's some great interior cabins. There's some great midship balconies. And when they're gone, they're gone. I've been uh, trying to figure out all week how I'm going to fit all my family members on there. Once these cabins are gone, then you go on the waiting list. So don't be part of the waiting list. If you want to go and see one of the biggest comedians, one of the hottest wrestling companies, uh, one of the hottest bands in the world, Fozzie, AEW, Gabriel Iglesias, come check us out at chrisjerichocruise.com. And come check out Fozzie doing a couple dates with Nickelback. Uh, over the next couple of weeks, August 22nd, Uncasville, Connecticut, August 24th, Atlantic City, New Jersey, and then Unleashed in the West, Fozzie with Jared James Nichols and Sons of Texas and select dates. Uh, we're opening for Iron Maiden at the Solo Bank of California Stadium in Los Angeles on September 14th. But in the meantime and in between time, September 5th is Denver, 6th is Colorado Springs, 7th Grand Junction, Colorado, 8th is Salt Lake City, Utah, 11th Crystal Bay, Nevada, 12th San Francisco, 13th Sacramento, uh, 14th LA, like I said, 15th Las Vegas. Vegas, 18 San Diego, 19 Tempe, Arizona, 20th Tucson, 21st El Paso, 25th Dallas, 26th Houston, 27th Hattiesburg, uh, Mississippi, 28th we ended off in Atlanta, Georgia. Go to FozzyRock.com for all ticket information and all VIP information. One of the best VIPs you'll ever have. I will meet you. The band will meet you. We'll hang out with you, answer your questions, and we play a private set just for VIPs doing songs you're not going to hear later on that night so come and check us out all right thank you so much for being here have a great weekend and coming up on wednesday a special show it's the 25th anniversary of the night of the legends thrill seekers versus heavenly bodies match the classic where i was bleeding like a stuck pig that happened august 5th 1994 and here we are 25 years later lance storm and i are going to be on talk is jericho to talk about that night talk about that match all the memories behind it uh the the rumors the legends the myths the truths you're not going to want to miss it very very special so have a great weekend and we'll see you uh, on Wednesday for the 25th anniversary of the Heavenly Bodies versus Thrill Seekers Smoky Mountain Wrestling Night of the Legends match. Uh, in the meantime and in between time, stay hard, stay wet, stay hungry. Peace, love and hugs and a big yeah, boy. Shout, 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 shout at the devil.